what I try to do and why I love speaking so much is instill that sense of empowerment for whatever it is that's already floating around in their heads or that's in their hearts to take the action on it. And so now like I, to be honest, I'm still trying to figure out how I can keep up with that experience that like evokes that emotional response and that sense of like, yes, like right after this talk is over, I'm going to go home and like actually get started on this when I'm coming through a digital presence. So that's been tricky. But yeah, that's the main thing that I've heard and the main thing that I feel like I convey. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and uh, it is an interview day today. We're going to get to that here in just a second. I got to say, though, um, at the time of recording this interview, I'm not sure when exactly it's going to drop. We are about 22 days away, guys, 22 days away from the world trip. Uh, I am freaking out, and uh, we got lots and lots to do. And it feels like more and more things just keep happening that my plate gets more and more stacked up of things to do when I'm like trying to get more and more off my plate. But you know that's what happens when you're getting ready to change your whole life around. But anyway, with that, uh, with I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. Uh, with that being said, uh, I'm going to bring on our guest because I'm super, super excited for her. One of the things that you guys know that I'm all about is bringing on super cool, interesting people. But one of the things that I think makes this podcast really cool is that not only do I like to bring on super cool guys, but like I don't think, like I think women serve a really, really cool place in entrepreneurship. And I don't think that we hear enough of their perspective. I've said this before when we interviewed uh, several of the other ones. Rachel Peterson was on here, Marley was on here, uh, Amy was on here. So, like, hearing that perspective, I, I really think brings like a more complete picture of the world that we live in, especially the way that we're going. And so I'm, I'm super, super excited to bring on this next guest. I actually don't know her. Uh, today was the first day we met, uh, but we were introduced by Emmy once again, man, I feel like he just brings on half the guests on the show. Emmy, shout out you. Um, but I'm re- like reading her bio here and I'm like going through and I'm like seeing everything. And I'm like, this is insane. This is awesome. And then um, we get on and she's like, oh yeah, I'm 23. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like here I thought like I was doing all right at life and um, now we have this. So our next guest though, um, she is a professional speaker who was recently named one of uh, today's most influential speakers by Forbes. She's the author of a best-selling book, Her Big Idea, which is a book on creativity, uh, ideation, and the women's empowerment movement, which debuted as a top three bestseller in the Women's and Business book and was named uh, a must-read by Tony Birch Foundation. She basically, like the list here is so, so long, but she really focuses on women in entrepreneurship and, and really bringing out that side of things. So I'm super, super excited. Haley... Hoffman Smith, welcome to Think Different Theory. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me and thanks for the glow up. <laughs> I feel so gassed up right now. It's like not good for my ego. <laughs> hey, you know, when you get to accomplish really cool things, like we have to keep ourselves humble, but I'm bragging on you. You're not bragging about yourself. So <laughs> it's allowed. But uh, how are you? How have you been? I, I mean, we just met, but how have you been? Oh my gosh, I've been good. Let's see. Well, even just today. So I went to spin class today. I've been getting some writing done and 
go down a few trips the next few weeks. And so I'm always traveling, whether it be for speaking or work or just like fun and vacation. So things have been good, really busy, but really good. Uh, a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. What about you? I, man, I'm getting ready to go on this world trip. And I, I know you don't really know any of my background or anything about <laughs> anything, but recently I just sold my company. Um, and so wow. I'm getting ready to go on a four month world trip. Um, we're one way ticket. So we're starting in, in uh, Hawaii and then going to Australia. And then just we have 14 countries that we want to hit. So I'm freaking out because not from a like, I'm, I'm so scared or nervous, but because I have so much to do uh, before, before oh, gosh, I leave. Because yeah. uh, like I am. I'm used to kind of having a home base of sorts. Like I travel a lot, but there's always a home base. And I have to pack up my whole entire life and my business into a backpack and a carry-on. And it's like, <gasps> that's, that that's scary. A, but, yeah, that's the stressful one. Right? Isn't it crazy? It's so worth it once you're on the road. When you come back, you'll be like, why do I even need all these belongings? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> come back to that, but uh, it'll be super fun. But we have a lot to get into today. Um, I have so many questions because I've taken the more... Um, let's say non-traditional route of entrepreneurship, meaning like kind of like punted the system, right? I dropped out of college. I was like, I don't need all these publications. I don't need like any of this stuff. And I just kind of was like results-based, right? And so I went in and like my background is in social media. And then I like get here and I'm like, oh man, it'd be super cool to be in Forbes. Oh man, it'd be super cool to like do all these things. And you on the other hand are like 23 years old and like killing it. So I want to, I want to start with your background. Cause like I said, I don't know anything about you, but I know you're awesome. So where's home for you from like growing up and like what was little girl Haley like that got you to where you're at now? Yeah, I love that question. So I think most people look at me and they expect that all along I was just like a go-getter and that's actually so not the case. Hmm. Um, throughout high school, I grew up in Denver, which is where I live now. And I was just like the most mediocre person you'd ever meet. I was not motivated. I mean, I was like a B student. I did okay. But I just wasn't excited about or anything or on fire about anything except for I really liked books and writing and I really liked mentoring girls. And that's all I knew. Mm. So flash forward, I'm 18 years old and I'm taking this meditation and energy work class. And I think like, I mean, I cannot confirm this, but I'd have to say that was really what changed me because I basically went through 180 in the middle of my senior year. And all of a sudden I had this like huge epiphany about, you know, we only have one life. What does that one life entail? Right? Like I started to freak out, like, have I wasted my time since now I'm 18 years old and I haven't done anything yet? I mean, 18, that's still a lot of years left to be alive. Right, right, right. So <laughs> I just completely shifted my gears. I gave my all to school. Um, I started to get really excited about the possibility of going to a top tier college because I loved academia and writing. So I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder for my first two years. And then I transferred to Brown University for my junior and senior year of college. And my college experience was amazing. I loved both schools. Um, Brown particularly has a huge part of my heart and just really got to study things along the lines of women's entrepreneurship, women's empowerment. Um, right when I finished my freshman year of college, I started my first ever nonprofit called Lit Without Limits, which is literature without limits. Uh, I was just telling someone today, like, lit, like, let's get lit became a thing like, literally like a year later. I don't know if I started it. And so all these people would be like, let's get lit without limits. So that like sucked, but it's fine. Oh, that's um, funny. <laughs> So the premise of the nonprofit was that I donate books to girls around the world in mentoring groups. And then I'd write a curriculum to go along with the books and the girls could come together and it could be kind of like a 
a chapter thing where they'd mentor each other and be there for each other. And so that was really drawing upon my lifelong love of books and then women's empowerment. So I thought it was kind of cool how that came full circle once I came up with the idea. And then just through this experience of starting that nonprofit, I realized how much power and like perception of your self capability comes to the forefront when you do pursue an idea, especially at a young age. Hmm. So I got really interested in female self agency and entrepreneurship, which is like a really fancy academic term for feeling as though you can bring something to life in the world. Uh, So I wrote my honors thesis on that my senior year at Brown and then launched my book called Her Big Idea right after I graduated, which is really based off the research from my thesis and just a big motivational call for anybody, you know, not just women to go after the ideas that they feel called to because they believe that you channel them and it's a way that you're guided. And yeah, that's basically the, the, the skinny on it, <laughs> on how I got here. Um, have done a few things since. I became a big speaker after the book came out, which was really accidental. I was asked to speak at a school and then really liked it and started to speak everywhere I could. And that blew up into a big speaking tour. And then I launched an eyelash company called Her Big Lash um, that goes along with Her Big Idea, obviously. So lots of irons in the fire, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, but a really interesting way of getting there just because I never felt motivated until it almost mm. felt like I woke up one day and was struck by lightning. That's that's interesting. I feel like like people have different paths to entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. Different paths to how they get there. And for that person that's out there right now, and I, I want to continue to go down this storyline here in a second, but to the person that's out there now that is like, I'm excited about, I mean, I'm not necessarily excited about life. Like life, it's cool, right? Like it's not bad to me per se, right? But I just kind of feel like I'm wandering through life. I'm not overly motivated. I'm just trying to figure it all out per se. Like, what would you say to them? Because you you don't know when you're gonna have that moment, right? Like yeah. in social media, you just tell keep putting out content because one day you're gonna blow up, right? So like what's your advice for that person that's like trying to figure it out that might not be overly motivated about anything? Um, but like maybe maybe wants to do something, but like, just, they just don't know. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it depends on the person. Um, I know that's like a cop-out answer, right? but I would say my best advice is to really connect to a vision of what your dream life would look like, because I know what it's like to float along. And I know that I still, I mean, I had dreams. They were way smaller. I think I like want to live on a golf course. Lord knows why <laughs> when I was in high school, but like what sort of vision of your future self can really compel you to take action right now. Um, I'm big on vision boards. I think vision boards mm. really help. I've gotten everything I've ever put on put on a vision boards, whether they've been like locations I've traveled to or awards or my golden doodle. Um, so maybe starting there and just allowing yourself to feel the desire for things beyond your life currently. And Jack Canfield, if you've heard him in the yeah, movie, The yeah. Secret, yeah. So he talks about how you know he wanted to make a million dollars, right? And so you're you. A lot of people get stuck on the how okay, I'm going to manifest a million dollars. Well, how? Well, for him, he channeled literally in the shower, the idea for chicken soup for the soul in the book series. And so I think once you affix yourself to the vision, the rest is going to fall into place and you should be open to the ideas that come, whether they be business ideas or just an idea like, oh, I should reach out to so-and-so or I should go here today. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, I think those ideas are this like divine intuition slash, slash intelligence guiding you the right way. But to get started, you have to first have the vision. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I like that. I, I like that. And I want to dive down into that deeper here in a second because I, I kind of want to bring it around. But um, I want to start with like, what's, what's your vision now? Like what, what's next and where are you headed now? 
Yeah. So this feels a bit unrelated, but I have wanted to be like the next Oprah (laughs) for years and years now. Um, I really want my own TV show. So an example of how that's manifested in my life ever since I've held it as my vision. And I will say a really big distinction here is that at first I was really scared to own that as my vision because I'm like, you know what? I'm going down this path of academia. I'm spending all this money on a really good college. Like I'm a business person. So why is it that I want to have my own TV show? Right. Right. Once I owned it, that's when cool opportunities started to crop up. Um, So I've signed with an acting agency, both in Denver and then a national um, Screen Actors Guild agency, which is really fun and cool. Woo! (laughs) And so I'm working towards it little by little, right? And I'm getting used to things like what it's like to be on set. And I've been in a few commercials and some industrial projects. So um, working towards the vision. But yeah, the big one really is imagining my own show on whatever network it is and getting to interview cool women. So slightly unrelated, but I I trust that 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 I have that desire for a reason. And that's a big thing too. Yeah. Yeah. And and I agree with that a lot about owning the vision type thing, because like, until you're willing to like put it, like you've got to believe in the vision before anybody else is going to, right? Like, you know, if, if I hire someone and you know, they're, or, and I want to work with someone and they're like, well, I kind of maybe want to do a podcast or I kind of maybe want to do something. I'm like, okay, whatever, next person. But if someone comes to me and is like, I am sold out for this, then I know they're serious about it, right? And like, yeah. and other people can, I think, buy into that. I think that's super, super important in, in any aspect, but particularly when it comes to the vision there. What what are you doing now? Like you've come, you've come through, you've gone through, you graduated, you do all these cool things, you've gone on the speaking tour. So like, are you still on tour now or are you like kind of done? Right, no, so I mean, the tour is wrapped up. It was over the 2018-2019 school year. So now I'm doing a few speaking gigs here and there. But um, I'm working on my next book. That was like kind of a secret, but I just shared it. So Look at that. <laughs> um, And then uh, again, the acting stuff. I've been doing a lot of auditions since I signed with that agency. And professionally, I've been doing a lot of ghostwriting and SEO copywriting, which I've really enjoyed because mm. again, I'm a writer. Um, so that just seems to be something that flows through me that I do well and that I do quickly. So that's been fun to expand Mm. that side of things. So I had a job with the startup uh, right when I graduated college and I quit in February because my speaking tour got to be a lot. My lash company got to be a lot. And so since then, it's really been balancing. What does it look like to be a solo entrepreneur? Like, how do you make money consistently outside of like speaking gigs? It really has been an interesting balance to strike. And so now it feels like a new wave of my life as a solopreneur Mm. um, with all the writing that I've been doing too. Interesting. So very writing, creative type of work in that sense. And which I think that like one of the interesting things for me has been like, because I've been in a similar... This this similar situation or, or like this weird transitionary phase where I... So like I said, I just sold a business or whatever. And I'm trying to figure out like, long term would think different theory and like what I'm trying to build, there's a difference between a business that's built on like services and like, hey, we provide this service for this customer and we're just gonna go out and do it. And then more of the creative style business or the, the creator mm-hmm. in you know in you. And so um, you know, you build a creative business, you know, uh through being creative and putting out content that uh you create rather than a singular product that you put out. H- have you noticed that maybe some of your entrepreneurship friends like give or take advice from certain people that might not be related to you because you're more of a creative type than a traditional business mm-hmm. owner? Yeah. I think the way I want to answer this question is to say like something that's been on my mind lately is like, there's a lot of demand for what I do. Right. Hmm. But since I'm the creator, I can't scale it. Right. So all of these podcasts and all these books about, you know, masters of skill, et cetera, 
scaling your business, having a product, like if it was a software product or something, I could just like mass distribute. I, I, I can't do that. Right? right. And so that's really different from other types of entrepreneurship. Yeah. All along, I kind of felt alone in entrepreneurship because like my first companies were nonprofits and I, the only people I knew in my life who were entrepreneurs were men and all the yeah. men had like products. And it was really interesting. It was like the concrete versus the abstract um, of like masculine versus feminine and for-profit mm. versus nonprofit. And so I really just derived my sense of inspiration from the people around me and the entrepreneurs that I know simply because they like decide to do a different career path with entrepreneurship, mm. um, which is lonely because, you know, I don't know a lot of people who are doing what I'm doing where it's just like, I'm the sole machine. I'm the one factory. I could turn right. out articles, but like say I get a hundred thousand people knocking on my door. Like I can't sell that many articles. And right. Like, no. Yeah. So, I feel like that's the big point of distinction hmm. or differentiation. Are you like, do you have fame at all? And, and and I know you like went on tour, but like, do you have an audience that like follows your every move or, or like that you're posting content to on Instagram or Facebook anywhere? Yeah. Um, somewhat. I mean, it's like, I have a f- just under 5,000 followers on Instagram. So it's more of like a tight knit community. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, but has, um, have you reached a level of, Cause like you're pretty well known, like from the sense that you like go around, you've been speaking, you wrote this book. So like people might not follow you, but they know you, right? Like if there's, Oh yeah, I saw Haley speak or whatever. So like, how has that changed your life? And I'm asking this, like you and I think I have a lot of similarities. So I want to like kind of steer this conversation more to like, let's just talk. Right. I mean like, Hey, like, yes, there's people listening, but cool. Let's have a conversation about this because I have found that these interviews typically tend to go really well when I do that. But like one of the things for me is like, having an audience changed my life. Now I'm in no way famous, right? But like, you know, I have 26,000, 27,000 followers on Instagram. I have a Facebook group of like 30,000 people and it's in my niche. Like I'm by no means mainstream well-known, right? However, like in my space, in my industry where I'm at, like I have an audience and it like, it totally changed my life. And like, it's weird because I like, I get to make decisions differently or whatnot. So like, how has your speaking tour and like all that, like how has that changed how you make decisions and like how you go and do things? Yeah, I like that question. Um, I would say like going back to how I called my 5,000 followers a tight knit community, obviously yeah. it's not like at the level of, you know, even the following that you have, which is, which is awesome. Like that's amazing for you. Um, but what I found is that, you know, there's people who were in the back of the audience when I was speaking somewhere and they didn't even come up and say hi, but they've been following forever. And sometimes they feel the desire to message me and ask me to do like a YouTube video talking about something, or they ask me a question about how I handle school or how I handle friends. And so the way that I see it, and maybe this is from like my entrepreneurship uh, education is like a market research type thing, right? Like Mm. here's my core audience of people who follow me for the things that I'm doing. Let me ask them what they want and how I can them. And that has given me a lot of direction and trying to figure out like my next steps after, you know, quitting my job. And now like, you know, speaking has slowed down. So what's next in terms of like, even the book that I'm writing next, you know, I had that idea and it was on my heart and it was really validated by a lot of the conversations that I was having with women through my platform mm. who were saying things that, you know, related to the book. And I was like, wow, this book is really for these people. So yeah, I would have to say on the market research and validation side for sure. Yeah. Do you, for you? Um, oh man. Uh, <laughs> I have such an interesting story um, with just like kind of how I came up with everything. Just because like I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere. And wow. like I 
like wasn't allowed to have social media or even texting on my phone until I was 18 years old, right? So like I was this over the top extrovert that just loved people in my nearest neighbor was a half a mile away and my the nearest Walmart was like 25 minutes or 20 minutes, you know what I mean? So like so disconnected and then all of a sudden like I found success on Instagram after I moved out, like I got a job in sales and like, you know, so I started to go in that that route of things. And like I said, very untraditional. So I really got to be myself. And like I speak on stage and I've spoken on stage in front of 1200 people in flip flops and a backwards hat, right? Like, <laughs> and, like that's so, in a t shirt, right? Like, so like that's so untraditional to what like a lot of people think when they're like, you know, you can speak on stage or you're this or you're that or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah. yep, but I'm 100% myself, right? Like I don't care. And so for me, like it empowered me to go and do that like more because people started following that. I was just like this crazy kid that was, I personally, you know, don't have a lot of followers. I mean, I have 20, you know, 25, 26,000, but like my company that I used to have, like we've managed over 5 million followers on social media for people. Wow. And so like when you start to like see the, like the trends, or whatever, like it was interesting for me because I had access, even though like I didn't kill it. Like I haven't made millions and millions of dollars. I've sold millions worth of stuff, but like I haven't like pocketed millions of dollars. Right? Yeah. I'm not a millionaire at all. But it, it allowed me to have access to things and like having an audience, people started to like want to talk to me or like give me opportunities so that they can get in front of my audience. And even mm -hmm. at a micro level, right? And so it was weird because I got to do these things. And before I like went through my whole life crisis of things, right? Like I... Like I had an ego the size of Mars, right? I mean, like it was yeah. like, huge, right? Like it was just, um, and then like when I like had my, like matured, that changed as well. So from a validation side of things, I get to test things for free. I get to go to my market, I get to do a survey and they, they'll tell me whatever they want. But from an opportunity standpoint too, there's a lot of cool opportunities just from the exposure that a stage brings and, and things of that nature. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. And I also like just to, the thing that you said about like, it, your audience bringing you opportunities. Like my speaking tour was really because of the people who were already in my audience. And so I also feel like, you know, you have that core group of people who believe in you and will advocate for you. And they're like, if their school is looking for a speaker who, who can be like, you should definitely invite like Josh or Haley. Right. Then right. that's how your audience continues to multiply. Right. And so as long as you're still putting out the content that's resonating with people, like it's really your audience that carries you. It's always like you're the big celebrities. They always talk about the fans, the fans, the fans. And I I think they mean it. You know, they're not just saying like it's the fans because that's the nice thing to say. Like right. they're seeing it because it's the fans who like show other people their music and take them to their concerts. And so yeah, it really is a domino effect if you're putting out enough value. Yeah. And I would say for me too when things like results and like, you know, the business success or whatever, like, oh, you signed this client or whatever, like that had a certain level of effect of like exposure. But what really like brought the fan base together was the like selling them on the vision of what you were trying to do. Mm. So like for you, like, I, I, I have not seen any of your speeches or whatnot. I, I assume, you know, you're speaking on the women of entrepreneurship and like things like that. But like, how have you seen your vision and like, how have you seen people buy into your vision and buy into you because of your vision? I love that. Um, I think, you know, what I, what I tell people when I tell them about my talks is that it's a very different experience for everyone in the room. So my whole talk was about idea motivation, right? Going after your big idea. Mm. And I had, you know, there was this one girl that came up to me and this was just so unexpected. She came up to me crying. A lot of people come up to me crying after talks, which is how you know. <laughs> I get the audience going. But this girl came up to me after. And she said, 
I'm in an abusive relationship and now I know that I need to leave. Oh, wow. It's like, how would you, I did, I had no idea how, what I had said, like, really, right. but I think people take what they feel like they need. And so, yeah, I had quotes in there about just like, if you feel the calling, you have to go after it. And like, there, there are things that could be related, even though it wasn't about right. you know, entrepreneurship for her. Um, and so I think what I try to do and why I love speaking so much is instill that sense of empowerment for whatever it is that's already floating around in their heads or that's in their hearts to take the action on it. And so now like I, um, to be honest, I'm still trying to figure out how I can keep up with that experience that like evokes that emotional response and that sense of like, yes, like right after this talk is over, I'm going to go home and like actually get started on this when I'm coming through a digital presence. So that's been tricky. Um, but yeah, that's the main thing that I've heard and the main thing that I feel like I convey. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. What are like, what are low points in your life? Okay. We're going there. So, I mean, I'll, I like, I don't ask any question that I wouldn't myself answer. Right. Oh, but, no, like, no. This, is, this is think this different is the theory. Whole, right? We're opening Pandora's box. Okay. Okay. But in a good so, way, hey, I think that it brings out a lot of really good perspective and allows you to share. Oh, absolutely. Cause it's a big thing that shaped me. So I talked about my nonprofit. Um, and at the time I had become really good friends with this woman who had years of financial experience. She was twice my age and she and I were just great friends. And so it made sense for her to come on to my nonprofit as the chief financial officer, which was good. And we worked really well in that capacity. Um, and then I had been playing around with this idea for a for-profit that I wanted to call She Is Without Limits. And I wanted to have a line of apparel and a blog. And I was working on a book called She Is Without Limits, which was my first book. And she goes, okay, let's do this. So we shook across the table equity-wise 50-50 and she invested all of the money into it. And then mine was like all of my effort, like my intellectual property, everything that I was creating, all my connections, everything I'd done to date. And things were really awesome at first. Like we launched the line. We had a huge launch party for my book. Um, and then she moved to a different country to work on the company from afar because she had quit her job to do it and completely stopped working on it. And every time I would try to make an executive decision or do any of the work, she said, whoever has the money calls the shots. What? And tied my hands effectively in my own company. And I became like the intern in my own idea because of her. And I was, you know, I'm in college. I don't have enough money to like, you know, turn the ship around, to buy her out, to do any of those things. And so... That was hard because that was my junior year. And I was I thought for sure with everything in me that I was going to pursue that company when I graduated from college, that it was going to be the rest of my life. Like, I mean, it was one of my like big dreams and connected to my nonprofit. So basically everything that I had built for three years got completely wiped out because of her. She basically said, I decided that we're dissolving the company and you owe me for half the debts. And I had never seen financials and we had never done things the way that I wanted to do them. Uh, thankfully... We had an operating agreement. There were a lot of legalities that I had in place that protected me, thank goodness. Um, So I didn't have to pay her back for the debts, but I felt like I had to start over completely. And I was really embarrassed because, like, my one entrepreneurial presence had been this whole platform, like the Without Limits platform, the nonprofit and the for profit. And then my first book was named, you know, She Is Without Limits. And so moving past that was really hard. But the, the good part about it was, it really helps people connect with me, I think, more. Um, I yeah. talk about it in the talk that I give when I speak. And then also the first line of my book is, I think you're screwing me over. And it's from one of her emails to me. So, wow. 
<laughs> yes. So people like open my book and they're like, you know, cause most books you open it and it's like, this is going to be a book about blank. And let me like set the stage. Right. And then like one other thing about that too, was I was trying to get press for my book and I'd always wanted to be featured in Forbes. And this was like a few years ago. And so I got a feature in Forbes, which I was super pumped about. And the, the feature was just like about the book. Okay. Whatever. And like, no one seemed to really care, which is like fine. Like I didn't want to achieve it for myself, but then entrepreneur magazine published an article that was titled, um, after struggles with her co-founder, this entrepreneur had to like break off and do it on her own. That's not the, that's not the headline, but it was basically like the entire nice. story of what happens with that co-founder, which like, I was choked. Like when that went live, I was like, that's oh awesome. my God, everybody's going to know. Yeah. But like that article, I always hear that the entrepreneurship programs are like assigning it as like a homework assignment to read that article. Yeah. That's and awesome. Like their moms and stuff. And so like, there's so much power and vulnerability in sharing the hard stuff. Yeah. And sharing what you've gone through. And so it's ended up, it's ended up really helping other people, which I think is great. And so I guess that helps me because I'm trying to help other people. Right, right, right. So, yeah, that was definitely the low point, but I feel like I've... That's, that's super crazy cool. And then you were able to like turn it around and like use the book for that. How did you... I mean, I know you're a writer. Like, but like, did you take college classes on it or like, like, how did you learn how to write a book? Because like, okay. And for context around this, I've wanted to write a book for a while. I am told all the time that I should write a book. Right. And my big false belief about writing a book, which I I'm totally confident that I could write a book. Right. But I'm like, if I write a book, what if my opinion changes, right? Like, what if, you know, things oh like gosh, that. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. And so, like, I'm going, like, through this in my head or whatever, and I'm like, I want my book to be awesome. <laughs> but then everyone's like, we'll just hire a ghostwriter. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, if this is my book, this is my book. And, you know, for me, I'm a content person. Like, I love being in front of the camera. I have created yeah. literally thousands and thousands of videos on the internet. That's amazing. But, like, for me, I just turn on the camera and start talking. I, have, <laughs> I never really think through, like I, I know the rough idea of where I'm going and then it allows me to kind of go through and like summarize everything up. But with a book, it's like written, it's there and like people buy it and you got to get them engaged. You got Like how did you learn how to write like that? The reason that I said it's funny when you were talking was because I was talking to a girl just last weekend and she said the same thing about her fear that the book is out there and what if everything changes? And I was, and when she had said that, I was like, What? And it's, so it's funny to hear you say it too. Um, also, I'll address that first. Yeah. Just, just yeah. to your mind. You can... So going back to like what I just said that I... I mean, my first book was called She's Without Limits. Like, you can write a book into oblivion. <laughs> like, I don't publicize that book. No one knows it's out there. It's not that I... It's not that my opinions change about the book, but I don't want people to read it. Like, because it's like reflective of my old company. And I also feel like I sound really immature in the book. I realize now I'm talking about it. I'm like accidentally publicizing it. But my point is like, you can always write more books and you can always put emphasis on more things. Um, as far as how I wrote both books, I will first of all, I'll just do a little plug here. I just did a video on this for myself. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So I, where I go like into depth for 10 minutes about how I wrote both books, but I have, I've just been a writer for as long as I can remember. I didn't take writing classes in college. I obviously honed writing by writing a thesis and by like doing all these essays, et cetera. But for my first book, I just like literally sat down and wrote a chapter a day just to get something on the paper. 
and then went back and did a lot of editing. And then for my second book, I did it through a book program called the Creators Institute, which I don't know if you've heard of, mm-hmm. but I know the founder, Eric Hustard. So he was my book coach and basically I told him I had an idea for a book called Her Big Idea. And I could see the cover in my mind's eye and it was blue. And that's exactly what the book looks like now, which is really cool. And basically he gives you like, I would say benchmarks kind of, of like, you need to have X amount of words done by this day. And then they had a developmental editor with you too, which was really Mm -hmm. nice, which I feel like you would benefit from because Mm -hmm. it is hard to just be like, how am I going to structure this book? So if someone's there with you that can help you, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like what you said about a ghostwriter. So most ghostwriters will just take the content you already have and transform it into a book. Just, yeah. just put that out there as yeah. a ghostwriter myself. <laughs> Gotta stick up for my career. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah. Listen, I have no problem with ghostwriters. I, I like, and I want to be clear on that. Yeah, I'm no, like <laughs> to assume that somebody else gets to translate my words, even if they do a phenomenal job, that is a scary thought. And like, I get it. Like you get to read it first and you get to edit it. Like you get to do all those things. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, duh, right? You know what I mean? Like I want these to come from my head because my head is a, like my mind is a weird, crazy place, right? Like it really, like I, sometimes I wish I could just like project my thoughts onto a wall and people could see how weird it is. And then I like think about that for a minute and I'm like, I would never ever do that. Like that yeah, would be so crazy. That, Josh. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So it's like, it's one of those things where like the back and forth side of things of, I don't know. I have no problem with ghostwriters though. I know lots of people that actually do ghostwriting. So yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think it depends on like what you're Is it, is it expensive? Like when you went through the, um, the, uh, the publisher, like, did you fork out a bunch of cash for that? No, no, I don't know. I don't know what it's priced at now, but it was next to nothing. Oh, okay. So you like, did you make, like, I've always heard you don't write a book to make money. You write a book for brand, which I, going into writing a book, I would never write a book to like make money. It would be for a brand. But like, did you make yeah. any money off the book? I made, I made like a thousand dollars in sales. Like, I don't know. It wasn't okay, so, amazing, yeah, no, no, but yeah, yeah. again, the brands, but I'll also add the platform because yeah. you think about, I started that whole speaking tour. I made a lot of money off that speaking tour. They pay so, you to come? Oh yeah. Not at first, but I became a speaker. Yeah. And then it was my career. And then I got paid a lot to come. Yeah. Hmm. But you have to have you don't have to have the book for it first. But I think it's, you know, if someone's deciding whether or not to bring you in and they can read your book and see what it is yeah. that you for. And nowadays, like your book is like your best form of a business card. I mean, the credibility yeah. of having a book on a topic is almost equivalent, if not more equivalent to having a degree from, you know, a big university. Yeah. Really, we, that's what it's like. Yeah. I co-wrote, um, uh, Amazon bestseller. So not quite as cool, but, um, uh, co-wrote that, Amazon uh, bestseller too. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> co-wrote, uh, that with, well, I'm on the cover of it with the two other like main co-writers. And then there's like a bunch of smaller people in there that like each wrote a chapter, um, like about it. And even that I noticed that people were like, Whoa. And I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, you this wrote is... a book. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> That's one of people's reactions to this day. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> and, that, and so like for me, I, I'm slowly getting there. And what I mean by that is I I release ebooks. And so oh, cool. like I went through like a huge phase in my life of like mindset training, right? Um, where I like kind of hit rock bottom and then like just spent like months and tens of thousands of dollars on like personal development and like trying to figure out mindset and like going this whole entire thing. So I wrote like a 70 page or 68 page, I think, uh, like book five, like five sections, five chapters, if you want to call them that five mm. part, um, like about like five, the five phases that I went through to kind of like ch- turn my life around. So like I put things out there and it's funny going back to like the audience thing. 
Like I, I hate, I mean, I love editing, but I hate editing my own stuff. Like, yeah. meaning, meaning the, like the nitty gritty, like I'm not a good speller. I am not a good, like I'm not punctual, right? Like my mom like taught me how to write really well. And she like tried it, like try to make me a good speller. I was having nothing to do with it. Like I just like <laughs> dumped my thoughts on there. So I went to my audience and I was like, Hey, who wants to sneak peek at this? All I ask is that you like critique it and edit it. And this one lady, actually, there was like five or six people that actually really, really went into it, like 20 people offered. But this one lady went through and spent like hours and hours and hours and like came back and I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) You know what I mean? So that was part of the version that we released um, there. So like I'm slowly working my way towards the first one I did was 20 pages, then 38, now 70. So like I'm slowly making my way to like a full thing. But um, I thought about for like my 26th birthday, like on my 26th birthday, start writing a book called My Life at 25, like for the first 25 years. And then every five years, come out with the next phase reflecting on the past five years of my life. So that when I'm like 50 years old, I have like five-year increments of books. But I don't know. That is awesome. I really like that. Yeah, Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But But. going off like what you said, you'll know when it's time to write your book. You'll know. You'll feel it. You'll be like, ooh something stirring. I, I mean, I'm sure like you're an idea person too. So you know what it's like when all of a sudden you're like, I when you I wake up in the middle of the night and you're yeah. like, I'm ready. Let's go. Do you ever have those though? Like I will literally, there are times and I'm just weird like this. So I have a big, I'm a whiteboard person. Okay. So like everything's on a whiteboard. So I have uh, an eight foot long by four feet tall, like double-sided whiteboard that rolls around. It's in my living room. And I will literally like, it'll be like three o'clock in the morning. And I'll just like wake up from my sleep. And I'll be like, God, and I'll jump out of bed. And I'll like run to the whiteboard. I'll write down all my ideas and I'll go back to bed. And I'll like, do, it. do you ever do like things like that? Well, mine is not in the middle of the night. I feel like that would really disturb me. Um, mine is like the worst is when I'm in spin class. Cause I'm an avid spinner, as I've said, cause I can't do anything about it. An avid, like, well, what? In spin class, like cycling. Oh, oh, oh. Full cycle. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And so. I think it's something about like the movement and like got all this blood going in my brain and all of a sudden like some clicks, the shower. Oh, it's always a shower. Yeah. Yeah. So many ideas in the shower. So much. Um, yeah. Even when I like had my idea for the book I'm writing now, I obviously had to do like a book proposal and so I'm working on it. But I remember I was in the shower one night and it was after spin class. So like, you know, double, double digits there. Oh yeah. yeah. And I was like, my book has arrived. It was, there was no other way to put it. Like, <laughs> the opening sentences into my head. I'm like running out of the shower. <laughs> no time to grab a towel. We'll go all right. right. Just, just write it. All right. right, right. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. Like the best, most magical. Yeah. Right. When it's just like, you're in the zone and you just don't like yes. focus on anything that's going like, around from a reading perspective. And also like, I'm really into music. So when I'm listening to a song, I can tell when something's been like channeled or it feels like it like came from them versus something they like thought too much about. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And I also think that like allowing yourself to be in the creative zone of genius for a while, like ideas just start flowing. You're like, yeah. how can I ever think of that? I'm like, when I think of good ideas, I'm like 70 levels in, right? And that's like <laughs> of flow, right? Like hours and hours of like being in this zone and all of a sudden it's like, right? Like, um, I'm literally on my seventh Red Bull. <laughs> right, 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 right. Seventh Red Bull or like after three hours of meditation, right? Or like when you're, I'm out in nature. So like I, I'm a big, um, I, I, I like marijuana and uh, like walking out in nature, right? So you'll get a little bit of a buzz and just kind of go. And just like, like Colorado. Like, right. <laughs> I heard they just legalized mushrooms there too. I was like, 
man, you're about to have some crazy people walking around the streets. Yeah, I'm like, um, scared to go outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that scary. Okay. I know, I know, but totally. but I, I am curious though, um, you're big on women and entrepreneurship. And I, 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 this is a topic that I do want to touch on here because you, you, you mentioned like a lot of your role models were, but they weren't women, right? Like there's not a lot of people to like look up to and like you have Oprah, right? But in the immediate next steps, I think that's one thing that a lot of male entrepreneurs like myself kind of undervalue or don't really realize like, Hey, yeah. like, who do I look up to? My immediate one is like a Steve Larson. Then I have Russell Brunson and you got like, you know, these, yeah. these big people. And it's like, Oh, like I relate to it. And like the struggles that he's going through, like, yes, there are human emotions, but like men and women are very different in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So like, how has you being a woman and trying to go through this, like affected and shaped things? And have you ever noticed any resentment or like people telling you no or not giving you a chance because you're a woman? Yeah. So I think, you know, it's been hard for me to pinpoint if it is just because I'm a woman, I would say a lot of it is like being a young woman and my age too. Yeah. Um, one of the most common occurrences in my career, which has been really hard is I don't know if men want to help me because they believe in me or because they want something from me. Mm. It's happened time and time again where someone's not what I think they are. They're only helping me because they want me in that like you don't super crappy is that terrible that sucks and i and i didn't know if i was like something i was just attracting into my space and so my capstone which is the third chapter of my thesis is about that and how many women go through that because yeah i mean i even had a situation where like one of my the one of the people who was really key in helping me like learn entrepreneurship right when i started my nonprofit, like he introduced me to all of his investors and he knew I had a boyfriend. I've had a boyfriend for five years and my boyfriend came to a silent auction I was hosting and I introduced them and he stormed out and told his investors not to come. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had a lot of situations like that. Who, and, um, what, what, he, what, I can't, I just can't, I don't understand. I don't know if attracting really bad people. Cause I don't want to say that this is like a universal experience or this is like all men. Cause I know, I but I've heard that though. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm oh yeah, that's good, but that's not good. I'm glad. Right, <laughs> I'm right, 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 right. I'm not the only one, and so I'm like talking like a crazy person. But yeah, um, so that's been. It's just a kind of an extra layer of I've hmm. definitely had to build up, a, not like a thick skin in the sense of like getting criticized, but like in trusting people. Yeah, not like, me to trust people in business. Obviously, I had the co-founder; she was female, but like that happened, and then now you know, I'm like, what are people's intentions? So that's been interesting as a woman. Um, but yeah, going back to the role model thing, I'll also say. There, the ch- the tie is changing so much. Like Jennifer Hyman of Rent the Runway, she's amazing. Or you know, Glossier and Emily Weiss, or even just like the co-founders of Away, the suitcase company, one of which went to Brown. But you see a lot of the companies started by women are primarily like beauty or clothing companies or consumer goods, yeah, rather than like the big softwares. I mean, it yeah, like sucks tech, that, yeah. Um, Elizabeth Holmes couldn't like just be a normal person. Like, are you kidding me? It would have been so cool for women to have like, you know, the Theranos thing. Right. Right. Yeah, of course, like this one woman who, but even then she had to act like a man and she acted like Steve Jobs and she spoke in a low voice and wore the black turtlenecks and like, I don't know. So it's just, it's hard. And when I was writing my thesis, obviously I had to do like a recommendation for how things could be better for more women pursuing their ideas. And there, it was, I didn't feel like I could really come up with one I mm. had recommendations. And a lot of them were like putting women into more spaces where they're watching other women, you know, mm. pursue big ideas, but you can't be, you can't see. Right. And 
They just had the founder of The Wing, the women's co-working space on the cover of, I believe it was Fast Company and she's pregnant. And so that was awesome. Like Mm. those are like small things where we're starting to see the, the changing tide, but at the same time, there's so much work to do. Yeah, yeah. Like for technical founders. Yeah, well, I have a, a friend of mine, her name, maybe you know her, maybe you don't, but her name's Katie Richardson. And she was on the cover of, uh, well, her and her husband, but it, more her, were, were on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine um, uh, for founding, they founded um, a baby bath company, like a, it was baby, it's called Pudge. Oh. Um, and like, I forget what what the accent was, but it was pretty big and they were, they're awesome. I love Katie, but like she, she had mentioned kind of some of those things too, as far as like, you know, the dynamic of like how women are supposed to act in order to get ahead and like kind of things like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess I, I asked this question very genuinely, like I am not asking it to to necessarily state that I believe this. I, I don't know. It's why I'm asking the question. One of the arguments that I've heard on the other side of, of the aisle, and like I grew up pretty conservatively, right? I never, like male woman, who cares? Like whatever, like, you know, you just kind of, yeah. you got to go like hard work, farming. Like, yes, like a lot of women like stayed in the home. And so I like grew up in the community where a lot of that did that happen. But like my parents were not like, girls can't be an entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? Like they empowered my sisters just as much to do amazing things as they did the boys. Right. So to me, like I never saw that. Right. I was like, what are you talking about? And then I got out into the real world and I was like, Oh, that's definitely a thing, especially in corporate. But my question is, is the argument that I've heard is, Hey, women typically speaking have priorities that are more family oriented than guys are. And they are not willing as much to like as a general rule to sacrifice and give up home activities per se uh, and be committed to the job because let's, I, I mean, not to shame women in any way, if anything, this is like a blessing or, or, or props to them. Like, but like having a child, a distraction that large in any circumstances ever, right. Will take you away from your main focus. Like even if a dude has a kid, but especially a mother, right. Yeah. So like, the argument says that, hey, a lot of women at, at some point or another in their career are going to want to go and have a family and have kids and do more home-related activities, which is going to take their focus off of business, which means they're slightly less driven towards business specifically, not necessarily in life as a whole. So like, is there truth to that argument or is there not? So... Thank you for bringing that up. I think it's more of like the cultural perception slash cultural pressure and not just on the women and the factor, but now there's more stay at home dads than ever. And it's just like the same thing where when you're pitching to an investor or if you're up for a promotion at work, they're more likely to ask a woman than a man like, well, when do you think you'll have kids? Or, you know, like a man gets married uh, he's perceived by his investors or by his boss as being someone who's really capable of making a commitment. A woman gets married and her investors and her boss think, oh gosh, she's going to get pregnant soon. So like, if we're going to let her go or we're going to like pull funding, like it's the same thing. But like, why aren't stay-at-home dads more mainstream in the conversation? Because so many men are going that way. So I think that's interesting. Um, also, I'll say... I would love to hear more about how like you got out into the world after, cause you were homeschooled, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge correlation 
between pursuing entrepreneurship and doing really well in STEM subjects. And there's a lot of research around girls growing up in school um, versus boys. And there's like this implicit bias a lot of times from teachers that girls are bad at math and bad at science and Hmm. boys are good at math and science and they're reinforced in really subtle ways. Like they call in the boy instead of the girl. And like, you know, girls are more likely you do bad on a math test. You think I'm bad at math versus boys. If they are get the same bad grade on a math test, they're like, the Mm. teacher's so stupid (laughs) and they can like externalize it. Like they don't take it to heart. Um, so that's a big part of it too. So I thought that was an interesting Mm. dynamic, but yeah, I mean, like for me personally, I mean, I'm only 23 too, but right, like, right, I right. feel like a huge calling to be a mother like anytime soon. Right, right. And it's just, it comes back to the whole thing about like having it all as a woman, you know, that's any woman's at any point in their career, like, can you have it all? But men aren't up for the same discussion and it's just like a double standard. Um, but I'm excited for the rise of stay at home dads mm-hmm. and, you know, couples going into it together and being like, okay, this is going to be an equal responsibility. But if you care a lot about your company or like you're excited about work, like maybe we shouldn't have children or maybe we should wait, or maybe Mm -hmm. I'm okay with taking the brunt of this right now because I genuinely Mm -hmm. want to as part of my life, as opposed to a sacrifice that I have to make. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. One, One final question on that, just more of, I think more, maybe more of an opinion on your side of things is cause like, I like to look at things as they are. And I don't really care how people feel about it. I want to know whether it's a legitimate, if there's an actual valid, legitimate reason on things, right? Like I don't care about being politically correct. And while I in no way ever would think that a woman is less capable than a man, provided they are putting in the same effort to something, right? Is it a fair concern if I let's say I'm a board of directors, right? And I have a you know a, a hundred million dollar or a billion dollar company, right? And I'm we're we're trying to pick the next CEO, right? And, and to go and do that. And there is a perfectly capable woman to do the job, and there is a perfectly capable man to do the job, right? And we know that over the next ten years, that the the woman does plan to go and have a family, okay? And the man also go does plan to go and and like with his wife, they're going to have a family as well, right? And so I am having to sit down and I'm having to, like, it's my decision on who I get to pick. And I look at this and I go, I know that in say five, six, seven years, the woman's going to go and she's going to have family and we want her to be around for 20 years. Like, that's the thing. Is it a legitimate concern to say the woman is going to have to be out longer than the men would have to be when it is and to make a decision based on that? Is that fair? Or is that something that is like, listen, that is a short period of time in the span of over the next 10 or 15 years. Like, you should be able to look past that. So I actually don't think it's fair because I think that companies should award paternity and maternity leave equal amounts in that parenthood. Interesting. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So you and think that more the and more, even companies like Google, they're having things like, you know, they'll have nannies at work some days or like a nursing room and like bring your baby to work. Yeah. Those big so I think it should yeah. be more about like, if you're really worried about the woman staying out longer, like, well, I mean, it obviously depends on like the d- dynamic at home, but shouldn't like the man her husband be at home helping? I mean, I would, agree, I would agree with you on that thing. And actually that was something my brother was about to, um, before when he was in, cause he's big on that. And his wife was very much into like kind of businessy type, you know, stuff. And so I agree with you. I think the father plays a huge role in it, but I'm just asking from a perspective of like, do they have a legitimate concern or not? And I think, you oh, okay, well, yeah. well. but like for the legitimate concern about the woman staying out longer, I'd say it should be a legitimate concern for the man too, if the man is also planning on having a child. Hmm. 
I, and I, I would, I, I can definitely see the point there. Yeah. So. And you never know, like, what if you appoint a woman as CEO and says she's so excited about her job and work that she doesn't, she doesn't feel the desire to have a child. Yeah. And, and that might be so as well. You know, you, you just, you never know. Yeah. Um, but I think looking at it from the perspective, like at work should be about work and how hard people work rather than let's factor in their personal lives. Cause you never know what's going to happen. Right. And you know, it has to be a few companies who have a ton of employees or like are very visible who can stop looking at women through the lens of you're here to be a wife and a mother first. Hmm. And that's really hard because right. people view women as wife, wives and mothers first, view them as business people first, if that's yeah. the path that they've chosen for themselves. I also think that we need to um, not downplay how important wife and mother is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, you know, I think, I, I think that in our society too, like wife, mother, or even fatherhood, right? Like being a good parent is somehow viewed as secondary of importance as career. And I think that that super needs to shift. Now, honest, obviously that's, that's not going to happen anytime soon in, in our, in our society. But like, I think that we as leaders and things like that need to, to recognize that like, Hey, building a company is awesome, but also, Hey, your first responsibility, I think does come to like being a good father, a good parent, and you should be able to lead accordingly. And that there's nothing inherently wrong guy or girl to take time off from work to go be a good, a good parent. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that goes back to having like flexible work programs Yeah, uh, for when people do decide to be parents. Yeah. You know? Well, we covered quite a bit. I know we really did. What a wild ride. <laughs> what, a, what a wild ride. I appreciate you opening up and, and sharing a little bit. Um, yeah. Is there any other topics or anything that you want to talk about before we kind of wrap up? No, I think we're good. Awesome. Well, then we'll wrap up here. Um, so we kind of end with some rapid fire questions and just go to that. And then I ask one question to everybody that gets interviewed. Uh, before I do that, I want you to be able to plug yourself. If people want to go follow you, learn more about what you do, check you out, like where, uh, where would they go to do that? You can just follow me on Haley Hoffman Smith on Instagram. <laughs> I said Hoffman. that wrong. At Haley Hoffman Smith on Instagram. And then I plug everything that I do on there constantly. Okay. Haley Hoffman Smith on Instagram. We will link that below. Guys, go check her out. You guys know how much I love Instagram. Um, and it's super, super cool on there. So we will link that below. Um, and the name of your book again was? Her Big Idea. And it's on Amazon? Yes. Okay. We'll link that down below as well. Um, okay. Let's move to rapid fire questions. Okay. So you've traveled a lot. So you've flown a lot. Yeah? Yes. What's your favorite airline to fly? United. Why? I like their Polaris. I don't know. It's more of like a habit thing. I feel that. I'm a Delta person. <laughs> this is easy. Okay. <laughs> um, coolest place that you've got to experience and go to in life? Uh, Maui is coming up. I mean, I've been to a lot of cool places, but Maui has just the, this distinct energy. Are you going there in Hawaii? Uh, yeah, we're going to like four or five different islands, I think. Yeah, Maui, Kauai. Maui's energy is just like, it's unreal. Yeah, I think yeah. we're going to do six or seven days there. Wow. Yeah, so it'll be a minute because we're going to Hawaii for two and a half weeks. So That's awesome. I want to go jump in, uh, jump over some waterfalls or jump in volcanoes Woo! or something. Yeah, I want to do something cool. All the things, yeah. Yeah, we're going to drone. It'll be super cool. Uh, bucket list item that you want to do before you die. I kind of feel like I already know this. So you can't, you can't say have a TV show because we already know you want to have a TV show. Darn it. Um, okay. I actually will I want to be on the cover of Forbes. <laughs> cover of Forbes. Wow. All right. I can see that happening though. Thank I mean, you're 23 you. and you've already been in Forbes. So you got what? At least another 60 years to make that happen. So yeah, probably won't even take that long. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Okay. Um, there's, oh, do, are you like, 
do you do cars at all or houses? Like what's your guilty pleasure of where you'd spend? Like if you're going to drop a quarter million bucks on something, where would you like, what kind oh, of stuff? A quarter of a million. Like, like yeah. I always ask like the guys, it's always like, Hey, what's your dream car? And it's like, it's a Lambo or this. And some, some of yeah. them are like, I don't, I'm not a car person. I'm a house person. Right. Like, so I want a mansion. Like what's your, Hey, if I ever had a lot of money, this is what I'd spend it on type deal. Um, I've been manifesting like crazy, a Porsche Macan GTS, white How? interior. You're the second. Who's the other girl that I, uh, Natasha, I think hers is a, a white Porsche as well. Is her dream car. The Macan too. I don't know. I, I don't know Porsches that well. I'm so obsessed. It's like the SUV one. You're so beautiful. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, there it has. All right. Last question I have for you. And this is a question that we ask every single person that we interview on the podcast. I want you to fast forward to the end of your life and you're on your deathbed. And everything that you've done in your life is gone. All your accomplishments, money, success, fame, all of it's gone. But you get to leave every single person that you've touched and influenced either directly or indirectly with one final message. What would that message be? You only have one life. So go live it. Yeah. I mean, Steve Jobs didn't up here from his Stanford commencement speech, but yeah, that's my big one. You only got one life. YOLO, right? YOLO. You start, you start the, the, the lit uh, nonprofit and the YOLO, uh, the YOLO uh, life statement. I'm a trendsetter. Josh. You're a trendsetter. <laughs> I, I feel that. Haley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, any last words or anything? No, it was awesome to meet you though. Yeah, absolutely. If you ever need anything, please let me know. Um, my team will hopefully take good care of you. Hopefully they have. I, I always do. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, they're, awesome. they're awesome. Have and, the best uh, time traveling. Oh, I have to tell one final little story here. Okay. We were supposed to have our interview last Tuesday, I want to say, or Wednesday, something like that, whatever it was. Um, I went to the dentist and that's why I couldn't make it because I was like, yeah, I haven't been to the dentist in five years. I'm going to go in. I'm going to get a quick 45-minute cleaning and be in and out. And it did, that didn't work. That was two and a half hours at the dentist. So I oh apologize for gosh. having to reschedule. Cringe. I know. I know. So that's why we couldn't do it. So that's kind of oh, the story you're behind so that. Fine. Yeah. So. No, it's all good. All right, guys. It has been Haley Hoffman Smith. Check her out on Instagram. We'll link everything below. As always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because that is what we as free thinkers do. And that's how we're going to change the world. We think different, we do it different. And yeah, that's just, that's how we do it. I love you all. <laughs> and I will see you on the next podcast episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on, that you like my stuff, and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh 40 or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.